Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. All right, today is week number four of the Fan the Flame series. And I don't know about you, uh, but I have been deeply challenged over the past few weeks. Um, I've specifically been meditating on this idea of emptying ourselves so that we can be filled. Uh, And maybe, maybe that's not something that's new to you. And obviously, once it's been said, it makes sense. You can't fill something that's already full. But I just never thought about it as much in this context until I began to study and prepare for this. And it's been, again, deeply challenging for me. And so now in my own personal prayer time, just as I pray and I ask the Lord, you know, there, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever done this, but there's been a lot of times where I'm just praying, God, fill me, God, fill me up, God, fill me up. And we sing the songs and we'll probably sing it again because we want God to fill us up. But man, I just feel like I've just been missing the God it helped me empty myself element. He's going, I would like to fill you, but there's too much fill in the blank in there, and you have to get that out. And, and so I've been deeply challenged, and my prayer time has changed. It's done a 180. Instead of asking God to fill me, I've been saying, God, help me to empty myself of myself. Uh, meditation is, is not our idea. It's God's idea. It's uh, Psalms chapter 4, verse 4. says, meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Say la. Just take a moment and slow down and meditate. And I encourage you to do the same. To paraphrase the D.L. Moody quote that we've been reading uh, each week, many of us have prayed to be filled, but should first pray that God would empty us. And that's what we talked about last week. We talked about how fire and emotion are often viewed as synonyms. But fire is not emotion. Can fire cause emotion? Absolutely. But it's not emotion. And we spent a lot of time last week talking about how fire is really a consuming agent. See, many of us are praying that God will fill us or to use another elemental metaphor that God would send the rain. But rain and refreshing doesn't precede the fire. Fire precedes the rain. Fire is the act of repentance. The rain refreshes us and provides the harvest. So fire precedes the rain. Rain precedes the harvest. And unfortunately, I think that we've gotten it backwards a lot of times. Again, I'm kind of recapping what I just said, but we're, we're out here asking God to refresh us with the, quote, rain of his presence. But the rain we experience is limited because we don't have the capacity to receive anything more than we already have. Because there's been no repentance. There's been no emptying. And until there's an emptying of our own selfishness, there is no room to contain what God truly wants to pour into us. I'm not saying that we will never experience the refreshing presence of God. I'm saying that without repentance or without an emptying of self, that the presence of God will always be limited in our lives. Just for context, when I say the presence of God, what does that even mean? I mean, theologically speaking, God is with us all of the time. Listen to the words of King David of ancient Israel. You can find his words in the Old Testament book of the Bible called Psalms. Psalms chapter 139, verse 7, David says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. There is nowhere that we can go that God's presence is not with us. There is no season of our lives that he is not there. 
And I know there are certainly times when it feels like he's not around, but the fact remains he is always with us. Jesus himself said, I will never leave you and I won't forsake you. But there are special moments when we sense more of a tangible presence of God. We experience that weekly almost here in, in service. When we begin to sing and worship and pray collectively, the atmosphere physically changes. Some of you sense that today. I see, your, your, I see your countenance changing as we worship and as we sing and as we pray. People come in with heaviness and you can see that. And then all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord is tangible in the room and people are crying and things are happening. The atmosphere physically has changed. So there's nowhere that we can go that we're not with the presence of God. But again, there are these moments that, that are just tangible. Church folk might say, I sense or I feel the presence of God or I feel the Holy Spirit. Someone new to this environment might say, I don't know how to describe it. The room just feels electric or I can feel energy in the room. Both are accurately describing the same event, but with different, different verbiage. But what's actually happening is the God who was always with us has chosen to reveal himself to us in a real or a tangible way. And when you're in the presence of God, you often feel an overwhelming sense of love or peace, or hope, or faith, or all of those at the same time. Maybe your situation didn't change at all, but there's a rejuvenation inside that strengthens you to know that you're going to make it. And sadly, many of us, myself included, often only experience the tangible presence of God when we're in church or some other kind of gathering with, with a group of people. And while there is something unique and, and, and special that happens when we're together, many of us are missing the reign of his presence in a daily aspect. And I think it's because we're missing the fire of repentance. We're neglecting to live a life of repentance. We're neglecting to live a life of self-emptying. Last week, we read the story of Elijah and we talked about the drought that lasted over three years. So when you think about the presence of God this way, if there was a drought for three years and you were very thirsty and it began to rain, what would you do? You would collect the rainwater, right? You would collect it and begin to drink. You might even just open your mouth and let it fall in. But once you were full and could no longer drink any more water, if it continued to rain, you would still get wet but you would be experiencing the rain in a different capacity than if you were thirsty. And I think that's similar to what we experience on Sunday mornings or within a corporate gathering, whether it's at a conference or these other places. When we come to church, God is already there because God is everywhere all the time. The theological term used to describe this phenomenon is omnipresence. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time, all of the time. As we just read in Psalms, if I ascend to the heavens, God is there. If I descend to hell on earth, God is there because God is everywhere. So when we come together, God is already wherever we are. We begin to worship and pray and sing and cry out to God. And in that moment, he reveals himself in a tangible way. And we'll call it the reign of his presence. And when the reign of his presence begins to fall, everyone in the room is capable of getting wet. But only those who are empty and thirsty can take a drink. The rest of us only experience the momentary revealing of God's tangible presence. That's why you can sense God, God's presence in a real way in a church service, but then leave and nothing is different in your life because you weren't filled. You just got wet. 
Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So from his words, we can infer that if you're already full, you can't be filled. Who did he say would be filled? Those who are hungry and thirsty. Now, for those who don't know, the original language the New Testament was written in is mostly Greek. And the root word for filled in Greek is this, kortos. Strong's and Thayer's Dictionary describes it this way. Green grass, growing of crops, or a garden. See, Jesus is saying, if you're hungry and thirsty, I'll fill you. But I don't just want to fill you. I want you to be a beautiful green pasture, a gorgeous garden full of vegetation that others can come and partake of. And this is a sidebar. But when God blesses you with something, it's usually not just for you. Going back to the beginning, as in the very beginning, Genesis, God created beginning. When God created something, he placed inside of it the power to, to reproduce. Not just duplicate itself, but to multiply. He created the plants and the trees and the animals and humans. And he said, be fruitful and fill the earth. He placed within creation the ability to multiply. And so when we become a part of that hungry and thirsty group that Jesus talked about, Jesus is saying, I'll fill you. But I'm not just going to fill you. I want to multiply what I'm putting in you. Which only makes sense because how else can we stay in a perpetual state of hunger and thirst for God unless we're giving away what has been given to us? And let's be honest for a minute. And please know that this is coming from a place of love. But the reason that many of us are not hungry or thirsty and the reason that many of us never experience the reign of his presence outside of a church service is because we never do anything with what God has given us. We're content to get wet when God is wanting to fill us. We're content to sense his presence in a corporate gathering, but God is wanting to grow a garden inside of us. Now, one of the things that I hate is to pick up a dish towel or a sponge or a washcloth and find that it's soured. Have you ever picked up a towel and begin to wipe the counter and you notice that stinky, soured smell? You know what makes a, a, a sponge sour? All of the dirt and food particles, they get trapped in the fabrics and the fibers of the sponge and they start to decompose in that wet environment. And during that process, bacteria and germs and yeast and mold, they all build up and cause this sour mildew smell. You know what else happens? That dirty, germy, moldy smell gets transferred to everything you touch. The counter or the table or the plate or whatever you just tried to wipe becomes infected with all of those germs. Your hands begin to stink. Anybody ever experienced that? Is it just me in my house? Are we, am I the only dirty people in the room? I don't know. <laughs> and I think this is a perfect example of what happens in our lives when we're not giving or pouring out part of what God has given us. Because we're just like that sponge. We soak up all the goodness of God and grace of God that we can soak up. But instead of wringing ourselves out so that others can experience the refreshing, we just keep it inside. And spiritual bacteria and germs and mold begin to build up in our lives and we start to stink. And pretty, pretty soon, everything we touch and everyone we come into contact with begins to stink too. I mean, some of you know people 
Christ followers for years and years, they walk into the room and the atmosphere is just like, ugh, something stinky. <laughs> and what does this have to do with anything? In order to be filled, we have to empty ourselves. In order to stay fresh, we have to allow ourselves to be squeezed out. We have to live a life of repentance. And we have to live a life of serving and giving to others so that our lives can be filled and refilled by the refreshing rain of His presence. So the fire of God empties us and prepares us for the rain. But once the rain comes and we're filled, we are then required to do something with it. And if we don't, we become like a stinky, smelly, moldy, soured sponge, contaminating everything and everyone we come into contact with. And so I think a good question for contemplation is this. Am I hungry and thirsty for the things of God? And if not, what am I full of? And if you're not sure, ask your spouse. They'll tell you what you're full of. (laughs) Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about authenticity. We talked about lying to ourselves. The psalmist wrote, God, keep me from lying to myself. Many of us have fooled ourselves into thinking that we're hungry or thirsty for the presence of God, but we're really not hungry or thirsty. We're more like dopamine addicts who enjoy the emotionalism of a worship service. And we're not changed. We're just getting wet. You know how you can tell when someone is really hungry? Because they'll eat whatever you put on their plate. Have you ever been thirsty but turned down a drink because you didn't like what was being offered to you? Nobody? I have. I don't care for spring water. There are times I've been thirsty and somebody offered me spring water and then I have to just evaluate how much longer I'm going to be here. Because I would rather just wait it out and then go get something more refreshing like Mountain Dew. (laughs) People posting during the hurricane, I'd rather drink 16, 16 ounces of water from Lake Weir than drink Dasani. I I don't think so, brother. (laughs) Good luck. That'll be the last time we see you. (laughs) The truth is, is when we have the ability to turn down a drink until we can get something we prefer, we're not really thirsty. And when we live our lives as if we could take the presence of God or leave it, we're not really thirsty. We have to get real with ourselves. Am I hungry and thirsty for the things of God? And if not, what am I full of? Because you can't be filled if you're full of something else. Now, I want to go back to 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. This was the original theme verse, uh, but we've spent the least amount of time on this verse. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now the Apostle Paul is probably the greatest missionary who ever lived. And this verse is part of a letter that he wrote to his protege or to his apprentice, Timothy. Timothy worked side by side with Paul. And when Paul talks about laying hands on Timothy, he's likely referring to a commissioning moment like we just had a few moments ago where we laid hands on uh, Mike and Nikki and said, hey, we're commissioning you into this season. 
Timothy ultimately would become the pastor of a group of believers in a city called Ephesus. Now, Paul wrote two letters to Timothy, and the instructions that Paul gave to Timothy in those two letters are of great value. But I only want to focus on one thing in this one verse. Paul says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. He reminds who? You, us, me. It's our responsibility to fan our own flame. Now, during the first week, we talked about how some of us have allowed our fire to go out. And when that happens, we often blame others or our circumstances. And sometimes we even blame God. But we rarely take responsibility ourselves. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we said excuses don't change outcomes. We're living in a culture that's hyper offended. And that offended culture has infiltrated the church. I mean, the real truth of it is is that it may have started in the church. Now, I'm thankful that everyday church doesn't have a lot of drama. Either I'm totally naive or we really don't have a lot of he said, she said stuff going on. And I'm grateful for that. It doesn't mean we're not susceptible to it. I'm just grateful that we're not experiencing it. Now, let's talk about a few things that I would consider frivolous. As we continue to grow, someone will inevitably not shake your hand one Sunday. It might even be me. Someone might pass you by and not speak to you. Doubtful, but it might even be Katie. (laughs) And while we strive to make sure that these things don't happen, inevitably at some point they will. That's not a reason to lose your fire. It's possible that you won't like the color scheme at the new facility. It's possible I won't like the color scheme at the new facility. I've never painted and carpeted an entire building before. And trying to choose and coordinate colors for a 10,000 square foot facility by looking at a two inch swatch when you're partially colorblind is challenging. So I apologize in advance if nothing even matches. I thought that joke was gonna get better response. (laughs) It will match, but even if it didn't match and even if you didn't like it, it's not a reason to lose your fire. Let's talk about some more serious scenarios. Divorce, bankruptcy, loss of a job, loss of a loved one, unanswered prayer, chronic sickness, depression, anxiety, empty nest, legitimate church hurt, whether intentional or unintentional, from an abusive church leader, verbal, sexual, or physical abuse, Abuse from a parent, abuse from a spouse, abuse from a teacher, coach, or someone in authority. And in between the frivolous and and the legitimate, we have everyday life. We have the rat race, the parental taxi service, school, and jobs, and sports, and soccer, and baseball, and football, and basketball, and cheerleading, and gymnastics, and volleyball. It's never ending. But I want to say to us, myself included, from the frivolous to the legitimate, it's not a reason to lose our fire. I have before or am currently experiencing a lot of the things that are on that list. And I can tell you that when I let my fire be reduced to a coal or an ember, facing all of the things that we have to face in everyday life becomes so much harder. We must make keeping our fire a priority. There are times that it seems difficult. There are times that it is 
difficult. There are times when you don't even want to try. There are times when you're saying, what's the point? Is God even listening? Does he even care? And if he doesn't care enough to answer, why should I care enough to continually ask? Paul says, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God. The gift is something that you're given. The gift comes from something outside of yourself. The gift comes from God. The special moments we talked about earlier and experienced earlier, those are gifts from God. But it's our responsibility to steward that gift. It's our responsibility to make sure that the flame doesn't go out. It's our responsibility to stay hungry, to stay thirsty so that we can be filled and refilled again and again. And that will only happen if we allow ourselves to be squeezed out like that sponge. If we willingly serve and give to others. If you've been around in a while, you know I'm not a linear kind of point one, two, and three. And listen, I know this content has been a little all over the place. We're talking about fire and rain and serving and sour dish rags. But if we're going to maintain our fire, if we are going to maintain all that, if we're going to maintain keeping the gift of God stirred up on the inside of us, we have to stop making excuses no matter what it is that we've been through. And I don't want to minimize anything that people have gone through. That's not my heart. But we have to stop making excuses. And we must commit to emptying ourselves through a constant state of repentance and serving others. There are people in this room right now who need the healing power of God to touch them. Some are consumed by things of everyday life. It's just go, go, go. And you're just like, ah, oh, so I just need something. Others are consumed by some of the deep and legitimate wounds that we referenced earlier. I'm telling you that no matter where you fall on that scale, listen to me. Jesus is our healer. He wants to meet you where you are. He wants to give you the gift of healing. He wants to give you the gift of fire. And then he's asking us to steward the gift. My encouragement for you today, for us, for myself... Receive from the Lord and don't allow anything to quench your fire as you move forward. To fan, to fan the flame. Brent always teases me that I have two sermons, the one on my notes and then the next one after the notes. I don't have a second one today. I just want us to pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? I want to take a moment. I don't want to lead us. I want you to lead yourself. I want you to fan your own flame. Paul said, I remind you to fan the flame. Corporate services are Amazing, And they help. The wind of the Holy Spirit blows in these moments. I know I'm using a lot of metaphors, rain and wind and all the things, right? But the wind blows and it can cause that fire to come back alive. But the truth is, it's up to us to sustain that as we move into different aspects of our life. So I don't want to lead this moment. I want you to have a moment with God where you are fanning your own flame at your seat. 
where you take a moment of contemplation and you ask yourself that question, am I hungry? Am I thirsty for the things of God? And if I'm not, what is it that I'm full of that's keeping me from being hungry? of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.